good morning, Christ Church Kingwood. Hey, that was great. Today we'll be closing out the book of 1 Timothy and looking at chapter 6, verses 17 through 21. So if you would, if you have your Bible, please turn to the text or read along with me on the screen. It says, As for the rich in the present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. Thus, storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. O Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. For by professing it, some have swerved from the faith. Grace be with you. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much again for giving us this place to um, sit under your word, to come together as a body, to be sharpened by your word, to be filled by your spirit. God, I pray that we would drink the living water this morning, that we would be grafted in and that it would feed the fruit of your spirit, God. That we would humble ourselves to receive your word this morning and be changed, God. So we pray for your wisdom and pray for your spirit. And we pray for our hearts to be ready to receive what you have for us this morning. God, we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, my name is Daniel. I'm one of the elders here at Christ Church Kingwood, for those who don't know me. And those who do, you know that I can be a bit of an odd duck sometimes. <laughs> the amen happened early. Wow. <laughs> and when I read something or hear something, I begin to build images of it in my mind. From there, I start spiraling into a lot of it's like this, or metaphors, if you will. I begin to make illustrations of what I'm reading or hearing in a way that's relatable to me or to the person I'm trying to explain something to. This can sometimes help simplify a complex, uh, excuse me, complex matter, but sometimes I get in way too deep, bunch of rabbit trails, and just muddy the waters further. Does anyone else here do that? Okay, maybe just me. Well, today's text was no different for me. I began to create lots of different metaphors, and after some careful thought, I landed on one that I think might make sense for some of you like it did me. Have you ever had the experience of getting your hand stuck in something? Like a time when you got your hand stuck in a cookie jar. Because both your fist and the cookie you're holding wouldn't fit through the hole. 
or reaching through a fence for that ball that just went on the other side. You can get your hand through just fine, but once you get a hold of that ball, there's no way you can fit your hand back through. The only way to get your hand out of the cookie jar or back through the fence is to let go of that thing you're holding on to. Meanwhile, mom or dad was trying to get your attention and tell you to let go, maybe gently at first, but the more you refused to listen, the louder the voice got telling you to let go. Maybe you were one of those that was so stubborn you refused to let go, causing mom or dad to have to come and take the ball from our hand, or worse yet, you broke the cookie jar in your struggle. Well, as God's children, we're a lot like that even now, aren't we? Some of us might have a ton of cookies in that jar, or really long arms and huge hands that can collect a ton of balls through the fence. But God calls us over and over again to stop holding on to the things of this life so that we can join him and have eternal life. We must let go and stop trying to claim things as our own. These verses seem quite relevant to us today, don't they? We live in one of the most affluent countries in the world. By the world's standards, I would argue that all of us in this room are rich in this present age, just as Patrick had said a couple weeks ago. Of course, some more than others, and that's not to say that there aren't those in this room that still struggle financially, that the unexpected medical bill or car repair or home repair doesn't cause financial difficulties, and I don't want to minimize that. But I do want to acknowledge that in this present age, in this present culture, in the present opportunities therein, we have it pretty good. Most of our basic needs are met. And if we really sit and think about it, the things that may keep us up at night regarding money aren't always the basic life necessities. And because of that, I would argue that today's text is relevant to each and every one of us. Not just the elders, or the deacons, or the widows, but all who claim Christ as our Lord and Savior. So, with that understanding, let's jump into the text. We see in verse 17 that Paul is specifically addressing or instructing those who are rich in this present age. Not simply those who desire riches, like he did in verses 9 and 10. To be clear, we can certainly be both. We live in a culture that is constantly feeding us with the idea that if we only have this, then we'll be happy. But then we get that thing, and it's not enough. But then, oh, actually, if you only had this, then you'd really be happy and so on and so on. We live in a just a little bit more culture. John D. Rockefeller, the first billionaire in the United States in 1916, when asked by a reporter how much money was enough, responded, 
just a little bit more. And he was a billionaire back in the early 1900s. Back in 1916, both gas and milk cost only 15 cents a gallon. (laughs) So it's hard to comprehend $1 billion today, but $1 billion back then? He could have bought $6,666,666,666 gallons of milk or gas. That would have been roughly about four gallons of gas for every registered American back then. It's kind of weird, though, how that math worked out, huh? (laughs) So don't be fooled, though, that the desire for riches is only for the poor. I would argue that the desire for riches is often most prevalent among the rich, keeping up with the Joneses, if you will. But today's text is specifically giving instruction to those who are rich. Looking at verse 17, it says, Charge them not to be haughty. So what does it mean to be haughty? Some synonyms for this would be proud, arrogant, or snooty. We've all seen this, right? Someone who feels because of their financial status, certain things are beneath them. They're entitled. Paul is basically saying right off the bat, tell the rich to not make it about themselves, to get over themselves, to understand that their riches were not earned by them, but given by God. So don't act like you're better than your neighbor just because you might have more, because that can change in a moment. In verse 7 of this chapter, Paul writes, For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. And how uncertain are riches. Earthly kingdoms have fallen, world powers change, and they will again. Physical and mental abilities change, making work different or more difficult. God changes the hearts and minds of people, sometimes those we work for or work with, making our jobs difficult or losing them altogether. All these things and many more can change your financial status in the blink of an eye. That's why Paul tells us not to set our hopes on the uncertainty of riches. Psalm 49 has so many parallels to these verses in 1 Timothy. And keep in mind, this psalm was written by David many generations before Christ came in the flesh, many generations before Paul wrote 1 Timothy. Starting in verse 5, David writes, Why should I fear in times of trouble when the iniquity of those who cheat me surrounds me? Those who trust in their wealth and boasts of the abundance of their riches. Truly, no man can ransom another or give to God the price of his life. For the ransom of their life is costly and can never suffice. In verse 11, he goes on to say, Their graves are their homes forever. Their dwelling places to all generations Though they called lands by their own names, 
Man in his pomp will not remain. He is like the beasts that perish. But there's hope. It gets better. In verse 15, he states, But God will ransom my soul from the power of Sheol, for he will receive me. Hope in God and his provision for everything, both here in this world and for eternal life. And receive all with thanksgiving because God has given it to us to enjoy, which Paul states in the end of verse 17. Now I want to turn to Matthew chapter 19, verses 16. We'll start there. I think many of you will recognize this story. Patrick had also mentioned it a couple weeks ago too. It's of Jesus and the rich young ruler. Read with me. It says, And behold, a man came up to him, Jesus, saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. He said to Jesus, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these I have kept, what do I still lack? Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go. Sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Or he had a ton of cookies. (laughs) And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. In this, Jesus warns us of the dangers of riches, how a hope in these things, no matter how good you are, is futile. It's a reminder that the only thing that can save us is a faith in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for our sins, and we simply cannot be good enough to earn it. And it's extremely easy to fall into the traps of comfort in this world, blinding us from seeing our need for a Savior. If all your physical needs are met, you don't have to think about where your next meal comes from. You can basically buy anything you want, and people look to you to help them with their needs, then it's pretty easy to make it all about us isn't it? That you've got it all figured out 
and that you're a savior of sorts to others. It's a very dangerous and easy place to get to. And here in America, we're fed this lie daily. Whether through advertisements or social media, we're constantly being told, if you have this, you will be happy and successful. Or to be the best you. Or seeing pictures or videos that someone has posted of their new car, their vacation, their new house, whatever. All of this can easily make our hearts and minds wander from the truth and hope that is found in Christ, if we're not careful. But remember, God richly provided us with everything to enjoy, both here in this life and the eternal life to come. So one thing that's helped me over the years when I notice that my hopes are shifting to those things that are fleeting is to really consider how long we're here in this world and then how long we'll be in the next. I mean, it's not even comparable, right? If we truly believe in the saving work of Christ and the forever, infinite, never-ending, without limit of time, eternal life that's to come, then truly what in this world would you not be willing to give up for the glory of our Father? To build up for yourself treasures that will last forever. In Matthew 13, verse 44, Jesus uses a parable to illustrate this example. He says, the kingdom of God, uh, excuse me, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. The eternal promises of God that we have through Jesus are that treasure. Worth giving up anything in this life to obtain. You know how some things come with a lifetime guarantee? That sounds pretty impressive. But even that will have an end in this present life. Doesn't matter what it is in this physical world, it will end. But what if I told you Something came with an eternal, never-ending, always and forever and ever guarantee. And this thing is the only thing that is both for now in this life and for the next. And is the only thing you need. Forget what all the other ads say. This is it. This is where joy is found. This is where contentment is found. This brings peace. This brings hope when all else seems hopeless. What would you pay for that? If we truly believe that, then wouldn't we give up literally everything for it? Literally everything. Then if we confess these things with our mouth and believe them in our heart, let's do it. 
There is nothing that we have in this life that wasn't freely given to us. We, in our own power, have earned nothing. And everything we feel we've earned was earned using the gifts and abilities God gave us. So it's all because of him anyways. When we were born, we had no money. When we die, we will again have no money. We are just stewards of God's belongings for a time. So let's be good stewards. Prayerfully considering all things and looking for wisdom in all things from our Father. Using the talents and resources he's given us to honor him by loving others as ourselves and meeting the needs of our brothers and sisters. Not lording anything over them or making much of ourselves, but from a heart of thanksgiving, cheerfully giving what God has entrusted us for a season. And if we do this, look what verse 19 says. Thus storing up treasures for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. We take hold of that which is truly life. That is, we remember Christ in all things. Meditate on Christ, and that puts everything else in its proper place. To close out the letter... Paul gives Timothy the final instruction to guard or to remember in your heart all that I have told you and the knowledge, gifts, and position God has given you to lead God's church with love and truth, not falling into the snare of irreverent babble and contradictions of the truth. And for the leaders in Christ's church, Kingwood, That's our calling as well. The leadership here longs to serve God's church and continually point you to Christ. But we fail sometimes. However, the good news is that we, the elders, can also come before God in repentance through Jesus Christ. And he is our strength. He is a solid rock on which we can stand. Because of this, Let us all continue to walk in faith, join together as a body, and remember our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in all that we do. To close, I'd like us to consider Jesus and all that he has promised and how in him all things are put in the right place. He is where our joy is complete, where contentment is found, and where peace reigns. Let's ask God to give us the strength through his spirit to relinquish the control and to be ready with open hands, not closed fists. Pray that God would open our eyes to what we're holding too tightly to and give us wisdom and how to steward the things that we do have to show us the neighbor whom we are to love as ourselves.
that needs some help, whether that's financial, physical, emotional, or spiritual. So let's pray. God, I thank you so much for your word this morning. How you continually call us to you and you call us away from our flesh. God, we, we pray against the temptations of this world that you would lead us not to them. That you would deliver us from evil. God, we pray for you to guard our hearts, our minds, that we would put on your armor to stand ready in the battle, not just for ourselves, but for one another, for your body, to be an encouragement, to be a safe place. And God, we can only do this through Christ, with your spirit. God, Colossians and Colossians 3, 16. This is our prayer. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. God, that is our prayer. I, I pray that at this time, these songs, our prayers, God, that they are lifted up to you in Jesus' name, that they honor you, that they glorify you, and that we would be changed, not filled with more knowledge, but filled with wisdom, God, your wisdom. And that we would just be an outpouring of your love. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.